Brooklyn's Radio. Loving arts and entertainment. And I'm delighted to say that in the studio today, we're honoured, actually, aren't we? Very honoured. You've taken half a day off for this to come here. I have taken half a day. (laughs) (laughs) That honoured, are we? Absolutely. Uh, In the studio today, Debbie Arnold. Debbie, welcome to Brooklyn's Radio. It's lovely to be here. And thank you so much for coming. You've had such a successful career. But you haven't said to people that I've brought my chihuahua with me, and that's not a euphemism. <laughs> you better talk about your chihuahua first then. Let's start with little Beanie. Yes, right? Beanie has come to uh, Brooklyn's Radio. She's a huge fan, listens every day, and Excellent. she was honoured to come. Oh, we love her. She can come I'm every day. Headphones on. And Beanie, it looks like a puppy, but how old is Beanie? She lies about her age. Every but girl I have, does. I have heard that she might be 12. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she's 12. Yeah. Oh, she's delightful. She's got these beautiful eyebrows. And this gorgeous little grey muzzle. And she might possibly bark soon, so... That's OK. And do that's other allowed. things that dogs do, but yeah. that's acceptable. But not publicly. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll turn the mics <laughs> yes. down. So you're the only actress, I believe, to have performed in every major UK soap. Well, I think now there's probably more. I mean, at the time, when that uh, my bio was written probably a few, few years ago, I probably was as a regular character, yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, you've had a successful career in theatre, radio, you're an author, you do amazing charities work and support and you're an ambassador for the national bullying helpline yes it's exhausting isn't it i was gonna say i get tired <laughs> of thinking about it all just reading it out <laughs> <laughs> but let's take you back to your childhood if we may and i think you grew up in sunderland wasn't it is that right yeah and, weird pat i did hey look at that <gasps> so I, good i believe you did grow up in a showbiz family though so let's well, talk my, about your past so my my mother my mother came over on the kinder transport i mean that's another thing um and married my dad who was an impressionist and comedian and my dad became very ill when she was very when when I was very young. So they they ended up living in Sunderland because uh, my grandpa had to look after him. And unfortunately, he died at a very young age. So that's why I was born up there. Uh, but my dad um, was you know he was literally at the height of his career when he started to become ill, and he was working with all the greats like Bob Hope and you know Dee Martin and Jerry Lewis and all of and the up and coming at that time were people like. Um, Eric Morecambe, Ernie Wise, Bob Monkhouse, um, Jim Dale, they were all his contemporaries. Um, uh, Frankie Vaughan, and my dad was the person that sort of hit it before any of them. Um, so it was very sad because when he was literally offered, he was offered to go to the Pink Flamingo, uh, to open the Pink Flamingo in Las Vegas with Ethel Merman. Wow. And he meant he, and he had his own radio series over here. He was also offered to do The Goons, but he turned it down because he wow. had his own show. And he was only 26, and they said, right, it's time, you know, this is it. And he was taken by uh, D. Martin and Jerry Lewis's management over there, but he couldn't go. He couldn't, literally the week before, he started to become ill, and he couldn't go. And they didn't know what was wrong with him either. So it was a long, arduous illness. Um, And he died when he was 32. Gosh. So So young, isn't it? So young. But this set the roots for you to to want to get into television and and, and theatre? Well, not even to want to. It's kind of when you when you sort of grown up in that you know so my first uh, actually the first press interview ever written about me was how does grandpa cough my first impression because <laughs> my father was an impressionist so that you know that was always there and I, I always could do funny voices but I never thought that was a talent I mm. just thought it was who I was so mm. um, it was weird and I never really I don't know if I really wanted to be a, an actress or a performer but it kind of was always there did you have any jobs before you got into Yeah, film I did. Well, I worked at, at the age of 17 after I left school. Because I went to boarding school when I was uh, 11. When my mother married my stepfather. So this is where it becomes quite interesting. My mum married my stepfather, who managed loads and loads of bounty. He managed the 
the Rocking Berries, the Paper Dolls, wow. the Walker Brothers, wow. uh, Pink Floyd, Jimi Hendrix, David Bowie, yeah. you know, you name it. My mum, my mum's agency sort of became involved with him. So uh, having gone from knowing all the people that my dad were contemporaries with, all the greats, you know, the comedians of that time, we then went, I then went to sort of, as, as a child to get to know sorry I just sorry, the microphone uh, got to know all of sort of these these sort of pop stars as, as a child so it was a, a really interesting childhood um, so from one one extreme to the other from the you know the variety business into the pop business so so then when I was 17 I got a job uh, in a record company uh, working for a guy called Terry Brown another guy called Dave McAleer and uh, it was during that sort of, um, I thought, well, obviously, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work in the music yeah. business, which was fine. Um, and this guy came in the office and he said, um, hello, is this Terry Brown's office? And I said, no, it's not. He said, well, uh, well, he said, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Sunderland. He said, really? And I said, aha, He said, well, I bet you can't kind of talk like that. And I said, well, I can. He said, can you do any impressions? And I said, yeah, I can do Marilyn Monroe. And he said, I think you should meet somebody. And he literally dragged me off. The next day to meet John Schofield, who was the producer of Who Do You Do? Wow. And I met John Schofield. God, can you think about it now? Yeah. And they offered me a series like that because there wow. were no, I suppose, no young girls yes. doing that. And I came home and said to my mum, I'm not going to be do- working in an office anymore. I'm going to be doing Who Do You Do? And she went, how on earth did you manage that? <laughs> so kind of the story of my life, really. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. How it all sort of fits into place and suddenly And then I felt normal open. again. I never felt normal in an office. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not me, really. So it was Marilyn Monroe that started you off then with that yes, impression. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's Blonde hair runs in my family. Gee, I guess I shouldn't use such a cheap rinse. And that's a clean one of those. There are lots of other ones that I can't put on Brooklyn's radio because I don't want to take you off the air. Well, you've kindly offered to do some uh, voiceovers for us and some ident. So yes, we're going to be using all of these for sure. All my voices, Pat, you know. <laughs> yeah. And have loads exactly. of them. <laughs> So where did you go from from that? For, I mean, that was that ran for some time though, that program. Well, yeah, but I mean, I sort of just did a few of those. Then I started yeah. to do fringe theatre. Yeah, I started to act. I, I realised that impressions and doing stand up wasn't for me. I mean, you know, I did a few gigs as stand up, and it terrified the living daylights really? out of me. It's a horrible thing. Yeah, to do. it really is horrible. Yeah. And then I just started acting, and I realised that acting was where it was at. You know, with other people, and and it was it was a it was a it was a fun time. I loved doing all those bits of theatre. You know, I love the fringe. Absolutely. Loved mm. it. Preference for TV or preference for theatre? Both. That was your question. Yeah, well, both. It's right. okay. <laughs> both. You can have it. <laughs> I think what I do miss, though, which they don't do anymore, they don't really do any live studio audience sitcoms. No. And those are the things that I grew up with and I love doing. Because then you have both. You see, you mm. do a, a live show with an audience. Yeah. But it's filmed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, maybe that's something you can bring back. I don't know. I'd love to. I mean, in America, they still do it. Yeah. Not over here anymore. Yeah. Sort of like a new friends or... Oh, that would be great. Yeah. With me, it would be a new, a new old friends. Well, uh, I was like, <laughs> I, we're jumping around and going to now sort of the new stuff, but um, I was looking at your um, show that you've got... Um, Wonderbirds. Yes, the Wonderbirds, the amazing Wonderbirds. Yeah. And I was just thinking, that was so refreshing because it was, you know, you have like things like Loose Women on TV, but this was so much better and so much more authentic i thought so and it's nicer isn't it? yeah You're kinder yeah yeah i think so that's exactly what came across yeah absolutely and we, we, we talked about things that really happen and yeah and, and, you know the things that happened that morning and and also about you know we started in lockdown it started the, the literally the day lockdown started and we've done something like 250 I shows, four shows amazing a week. So, so tell us because we jumped to wonder sorry. <laughs> sorry i'm gonna yeah sorry I'm um, so tell us who's on wonder because you got sherry Rick, houston yep uh, Dee Anderson, who is the daughter of uh, Sylvia and Jerry Anderson. 
Yep. Thunderbird, which is why it's Wonderbird. Ah. And, uh, and Harriet Thorpe. And we literally, you know, just started just before lockdown. I, I was ringing up Dee and she was going, oh, what are we going to do? And this, that and the other. And I said, oh, let's just go, get on a Zoom with Sherry and Harriet. And we, so it started off just a bit of fun more than anything, just so, a conversation between so the four of you on Zoom. It was so funny. Yeah. And, and I just said, well, can we publish? How do, how do we publish it? Let's get a child of ours to do something. <laughs> someone that could be social. Yeah, <laughs> someone, and, and it kind of grew from there. And we've just had... I think it was 15 million views. Amazing, that. yeah. Oh, I found it really... 15 million views. Yeah. And how many episodes have you now? Over 200. It's just and, crazy, and we have it? guest stars on all of them. And actually, this week, we've just had Celia Imri. Oh, wow. And our guest tomorrow is Friday? Friday? No, today's Wednesday, isn't it? it yeah, is. our guest right. on Friday is... Because we know it's just Tuesday and Friday and um, Saturday. Our guest on Friday is Sid Owen. Oh, wow. You should get him to come in. We'll do that. Anybody who yes, wants to send down to Brooklyn's Radio, we'd be Hampton, delighted. He lives in Hampton Court. <laughs> fabulous. He's more than welcome to yeah, come. Yeah, we've got Sid. And uh, um, we've got Richard Arnold again on, um, on Saturday. Oh, so, yes. And you've had some amazing guests over that, you know, yeah, two Paula, to three hundred. Yeah, Paula Grady's Paula been on Grady. Loved uh, that one. Um, I was watching Gok. Yeah, he was fabulous. He did our live stage show as well. I mean, can you believe a Zoom call ended up in a live stage show with Gok One? Fantastic. I mean, and all the all the uh, soap people as well. We had all the, the sort of uh, the murderers, the soap murderers. Yes. And what we did in the stage show is that we thought we'd, we'd just do something a little bit different. So I had the idea of getting all of the cardboard cutouts of all the people in soap. So we did, oh, you know, the murderers in soap. And we all sort of waltzed off. And as we waltzed off, we waltzed back with the real live oh, people. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. It was so much fun. Oh. And John Altman actually took his home. Oh, <laughs> And he said the other day he found it in the bedroom. He put I was it in the say, bedroom, went into it? his spare room and nearly gave himself a heart attack because he saw himself there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, right. Brilliant. What we should do, when you were talking earlier, was saying that some of the bands that you, you grew up with because of influence of uh, family and stepfather. Uh, and I think you mentioned the Walker Brothers, and I think you've chosen a track from them. Yeah. Uh, this is called The Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. that guy had that what a voice he has yeah. uh, very underrated artist totally totally very. great the walker brothers and the sun ain't going to shine anymore so we're joined in the studio by the amazing uh, debbie arnold you have debbie. to look at his script then by the way i, I didn't know I'm looking, what comes next not your name um i was just going to say you've been in so many amazing tv programs in your career excluding the soaps because we're going to come back to soaps because i've got a few people asking about the soaps uh, so we'll come back to questions in a moment talk us through some of the highlights of the television programs that you've done that you've really loved well, I think one of the first ones that I absolutely adored doing was working with Eric Sykes, to be honest with you. I did, I did uh, him and Hattie. I can't remember what that was called, uh, where they were brother and sister. I'm sure somebody will remember. But then I did the likes of Sykes as well. I did quite a few shows with Eric. And it was to work with him was a dream. Well, he was also a friend of my dad. Right. Um, and I remember working with him and he was, he was doing something. And then all of a sudden he had his glasses on. He, he scratched inside his eye like that within his glasses. And, I went, and he said, well, no, they're not seeing glasses. They're hearing glasses. So they, they were hearing aids. Oh, wow. 
because he was quite deaf. Oh wow! Oh. But he was he was he was brilliant. I absolutely loved working. And with a brilliant him. writer as well. A brilliant writer. A, a brilliant, brilliant writer. Of course, it has to be the two Ronnies because uh, Ronnie Barker wrote a. When I was in the Sleeping Prince uh, show that I did with Omar Sharif, Ronnie Barker came to see me in it, and he wrote he wrote me a letter which I have got framed. Wow! And in this letter, he said, "I hope you won't be uh, offended." But I've written a part for you in the new Ronnie scene, like they did these little films. Yeah. And it was called The Village of the Smiths. And he said that the part is Voluptua Good Body. And she's still looking pretty good to me, <laughs> I've got to say. If I'm allowed to say that on air. But, yeah. but <laughs> can you imagine Voluptua Good Body? What a part, what a part to body. play. And it was fantastic. And it was all his fantasies. So it, she was a nurse. She was dressed in a nurse outfit. She was dressed in a fur coat with... Seemingly nothing underneath. Of course, I did have that. Uh, all the different things. But he, he was to work with. He was absolutely brilliant and wonderful. And I loved working with him. Note to self, check out. <laughs> yes, the village of the Smiths. You I will do it. that. Yeah. I love the way you just skipped over the fact that you were alongside Omar Sharif. So take us back to that. You were in theatre with him. Yes, I did. I did a play called The Sleeping Prince or The Creeping Rinse, as we used to call it. Because <laughs> the, the actual poster of him looked like he had a blue rinse. Yeah. Um, I, I got that part in 1983, I think. 900 girls auditioned for it. Wow. And it's so funny when you're that confident. I just knew nobody else. Nobody else could play that part as well as I could. Yeah. Um, and I was very lucky. And it, in the end, it was between myself and Goldie Horn. I know that sounds ridiculous. Yeah. And I knew she wouldn't get it because she was too old. I mean, that sounds, you know, 10 years older yeah. than me. I knew she wouldn't yeah. get it. Um, and eventually, and it was also at Chichester Festival Theatre so to start with. Yeah. So I thought she's not going to come yeah. to Chichester, even though he did. Because uh, it was the first time he'd ever done any theatre. Wow. And I, and I got the part. And the funniest thing was I was married to John Chalice at the time. And um, Omar said to John, I want you to, to take me to a pub. And John said, really? He said, why? He said, because I'd like to go to an English pub. So John, in my little yellow mini, goes off to a pub with Omar Sharif. You can imagine this. They're sitting there and Omar's got a pint. And he said to John, why is everyone looking at me? And John said, because you're Omar Sharif yeah. and you're in a pub. <laughs> and he went, so? And John said, but people aren't used to seeing Omar, Omar Sharif in a pub. You know what I mean? Drinking so, a pint. Yeah, drinking a pint. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did the show, stayed there for a, over a year, a year and a half, I think. Amazing. We ended up going touring all around the country, and then we ended up in the West End, and it was, it was brilliant. It was an incredible experience to work with such a huge star. Mm. And the people that came to see us, the people that came to see him were quite incredible you know knock on my dressing room door you know i had one knock on my dressing room door and there was this chest in, i opened the door and there was this chest in front of me and i looked up and it was charlton heston wow and he said miss arnold and i went yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> yeah <laughs> you were wonderful and all the people used to slap up you know they used to see omar downstairs in his star dressing room yeah. and i was right at the top of the stairs and they used to come up and see oh, me everybody yes. from That's you know and and rex harrison was going to take over when we did it on broadway but that was another that's another story it was it was literally it was so many huge stars and it was it was one of the greatest experiences of my life and I absolutely yeah. adored it and, and Broadway you, was where you went as well with it yeah we were going to Broadway with Rex Harrison but that's another yeah. story that's yeah. a, that's another thing altogether. it's amazing though to have that sort of but, the West End the Broadway well what happened with um with the Sleeping Prince was that Rex Harrison was going to take over from Omar but that never happened um and I went to see him for the opening night of a play called Aren't We All in uh, in Los Angeles, to we kind of went there to see him and to discuss it. And um, sitting next to me on the opening night, can you imagine this, at this theatre in Los Angeles, was Elizabeth Montgomery. Wow. And if, those of you who don't know who she is, she played um, Samantha in Bewitched. Oh, oh I, loved I loved her. And Absolutely all, loved her. And so all I did was... I, 
took hold of her hand and said, I love you. Yes. And all I did was hold her yes. hand through the whole show. I think I really nice. Yeah, she did that. And, and then, um, then after the show, we had dinner with Rex. And we, you know, there was, there was a whole, because it was Rex and Jean Moreau. And we had, obviously, there were eight of us around this table. And this is a show business party in L.A. At that time, everyone was on sort of like different tables, like tables of eight. Yeah. And on my table was myself and Duncan Walden, who was the producer, Jack Lemon and his wife, Walter Matthau and his wife, Billy Wilder and his wife, and there was um, Rex Harrison and his wife, and me. <laughs> Did you pinch yourself? It was just like, I kept thinking, gosh, if I die tonight, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Well, like, I've enjoyed it. it. I'm loving it. Yeah. Wow. Do you amazing. think that the, um, the fact that you've started as an impressionist gives you the versatility to play many more parts because you see you you can play very posh people you can play people for, with the the the, the tyne and wearside accent has that helped you in your career and to to, to gain different parts or yeah not? I, I think so the, the fact that i can play different sorts of parts mm. i mean there was there was one part and i know we're not going to talk about the soaps but i actually got eastenders and hollyoaks on the same day it's a long story and so i was playing a part like that in hollyoaks I was playing a part like that in EastEnders, so you know what I mean, mate? You go from kind of one thing to another. Unbelievable, <laughs> honestly. So talented to be able to do that, honestly. And back in the day, of course, you were with um, Arthur Daly. On- oh, Minder. Oh, oh, I, I love doing Minder. Minder. I absolutely loved doing Minder, and it was so much fun. And again, I was called back to do another one. I did an episode of Minder, which was fantastic, absolutely fantastic, and loads of fun. And then they asked me to go back to do the movie of Minder on the Orient Express. And I played a character who was like that. She was absolute Antonio, one of those. <laughs> and she was really fun, and I really enjoyed it. So very different to the character I played before, yeah. which was very sort of, you know, one of those. Yeah, really, absolutely. <laughs> I and I love the fact all the time you're sitting here, your little dog is so well behaved. Look, yes, <laughs> she goes, "Oh my goodness me, my mother is doing all <laughs> yes, these voices exactly. again." <laughs> so boring. I've heard this one before. <laughs> I have five thousand eight hundred and seventy-five times. If you must. We need to talk about the soaps, and we need to get the chronological order right because you said you got two parts on the same day, which is fascinating. But when you started in the soaps, which one came first? Coronation Street. And talk us through the characters that you played and what the periods of time were, because someone's asked that. Yeah. Coronation Street, the first time I went to Coronation Street, and the reason I got this part, or the reason I was asked to go up for it, was that I, I loved the street. And I used to write poems to Bill Podmore, who was the producer. And one day I got a call from my agent to say that they wanted to see me, and I walked in. And the first thing he said to me was, I hope you're going to stop writing me poems now. <laughs> so I said, okay. And I got the part. And the part was a character called Sylvie Hicks, and I played opposite the great Sam Kidd, and it was the time of Dallas and Dynasty, and he came up with a young bird called Sylvie Hicks. And my first line in Coronation Street was when I looked at Mike Baldwin, and I had to say to him, do you know what you are, Mike? You're as slippery as a wet welly. And I thought, if I say wet willy, my whole career is <laughs> over. going to be it. <laughs> it's one wonder. hit wonder. One hit wonder, and that's it. Yeah. So how long were you on Corrie for at that, t- uh, at that, that period Well, of time? They, they brought you in, like, in, in sort of blocks. So yeah. I, was in, I went in for eight episodes, and then we, went, then we came out. Uh, for four months and then every time the storyline came up you just came back and the last time I went we were in for about a, I think about a year and then Sam sadly the last time we were in Sam Sam died they, and uh, they had to rewrite everything right. the whole storyline um, and it was awful because I mean he actually died while we were actually filming oh, and um, and then we um, and then the next thing that happened is they tried to bring me back four times as that character but they couldn't bring a story they couldn't get the story right yeah. 
so that was that really so that was in 1981 okay and then the next time i went into a soap was i went to emmerdale in before talia was born so probably 91 and they dyed my hair red because there were so many blondes in it it's horrible it's oh horrible. my goodness and i played a character called debbie who fleeced pollard out of lots of money so she was a baddie yeah. so that was fun um i don't know nine months a year and then I got uh, and Hollywood. Debbie, that's, if you're there for nine months, and are you there every week on Emmerdale? No, well, no, you are, but, but you know, it's, it's not every episode, but lots of loads of episodes. I mean, that's just been shown again, I think, on UK Gold or whatever. Yes. Um, so yeah, you know, I was there for a long time, I believe. Right. And then, um, then I got, I was asked to go up for for Hollyoaks, which is a new series. They didn't even have a name for it, and EastEnders, and it was literally, it was. I think it was like three episodes of Hollyoaks because they didn't even know that they were doing more than 12. And it was like for two episodes of EastEnders. So I got them both on the same day, which was great. So I started to film um, Hollyoaks, which this character was, you know, played uh, Will Miller's mom. And I did my sort of filming on Hollyoaks. And then I went to do some filming on EastEnders. And they both decided to have me back. So then I had the fantastic experience of casting directors fighting over my dates, which was amazing. And and because Hollyoaks had booked me first, they actually booked me in the time that EastEnders wanted me. And Phil Redmond did a deal with them and said, listen, I'll give you her if if I can have her for a month before and I'm going to film all her episodes. They filmed a year of episodes of wow, me in a block. Wow. wow. So I went out, I was going out all the time while I was actually filming EastEnders. And and then how... I don't so, think anybody else has done no, that. No, and then thinking, I'm just thinking about all the lines that you have to remember and rehearse and well look. you kind of do that but i remember one day arriving on the set at the queen vic and paul you remember paul paul nichols yes because he spoke like that and i remember doing a scene with him and talking like that and somebody came down from the box and said debbie you're in the wrong show <laughs> <laughs> oh my wrong God. week wrong. i'm not wrong so i'm supposed to be like that now i'm really sorry you know what i mean april was supposed to be like that I thought, oh my god i've forgotten who i am i think i'd just come up from hollyoaks wow. i thought oh my goodness and of course you know as history repeats itself uh, my daughter went to hollyoaks my eldest daughter Did she? Yes. she went in there in 2005 and stayed till 2009 as well wow. so we we're kind of a family of it's in the blood it is it's, it's definitely a, in the Hollyoaks blood. is in the blood and then um and then went back to coronation street um in 2014 for um again for a, a, quite a few episodes of playing uh, carol evans who's the landlady of the weatherfield arms and i think i'm still there really i mean in, in yeah in, yeah not really but yeah, um, yeah kind of so i've got a question crazy. in from a lady called uh, hayley Smythe. hi to hayley she's uh, tuned in from bisley she says spirit and camaraderie in the different companies that you've worked in the different soaps is it similar is there you know the, does it vary well, I think with all the soaps, what happens is that you stay within your family group. Right. So that's all you really know. You, you know, you, people go into EastEnders and Coronation Street and don't even know the other actors. Uh, oh, so yes. it, it's really quite weird. You, you only meet when you're in the pub. Okay. Uh, kind of like you are in real life. So, of course, my family group was, um, it, strangely enough, was, was people like Sid Owen, Patsy Palmer, yep. um, Lindsay Coulson, who played Carol. And the other thing is you have to really learn everybody's real names, so then it's very hard not to think of their, you yes. know, to the know the characters. character yes. names because yes. it's Absolutely. it's uh, I, the only person whose name I could never remember was Johnny Briggs. I always call call him Mike <laughs> because he was so much <laughs> like like totally. totally. yeah, totally. And the other question that Haley's asked is, uh, who has been your favourite male actor to work alongside? Ah, that's quite a difficult one, really. I don't know. I mean, they're all lovely. 
They really are lovely. I'm, all the, the men actors that I've worked, I mean, there is a, there's a very funny story, actually, I can tell you, is that the, possibly the, the funniest part I had to work with someone who's still a friend now is an actor called Tim Bentink, who plays David Archer in The Archers. Right. And who's loads of things. I think he was quite recently on um, EastEnders, was it EastEnders? Anyway, you'll know who Tim is. But I actually met Tim in bed. Oh, because <laughs> uh, we had to do we had to do a love scene together, and they they cast it. I'd never ever met him before, and there he was in bed. Oh my and I thought, oh my god, what a strange place to meet someone. And forty years later, we're still, still friends. friends. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's brilliant. I'm sure you would be after that experience. <laughs> I'm glad it went well for you. I'm glad it went well. How do you, how do you get over that sort of? awkwardness or is there or do you just think right it's a job well it's a job and and also usually find that if you have to do love scenes male actors are really nice right i mean they look after you because you know you've got a crew around you and everything else but the weirdest love scenes i've ever had to do were with john altman who plays nick cotton and eastenders we did a film together and i'd known him for 25 years and his wife you know he was no longer married and he knew my husband and everything else and we had to be you know these big love scenes and it was really weird because we'd known each other for so long and yeah. one day we were rehearsing and he just grabbed hold of me and kissed me and went thank goodness that's over oh. so at least we can <laughs> at least we can yeah, the attention now we can ca- we carry on yeah. you know doing that yeah but it, it was really quite difficult to do that with yeah. him because it's you know knowing him so well and it makes you very close to people yeah. as well in, in a very kind of different way but i i suppose you know all, all the, the male actors, they have a lovely feminine side. Mm. They're very nice mm. to be with. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. male actors. Yes, yeah, got a good sort of, um, like you said, the feminine side coming out. I think it's the softer side, Yes, and they're side, kind and yeah. lovely and yeah. Yeah, nice yeah. people. I've got a left of field question here for you, if I may, uh, from David in Weyrich. Hi to David. He says, since leaving RADA at the beginning of COVID, my daughter has struggled to find acting roles. Uh, she's now had to take up alternative full-time employment to earn a living. Uh, but have you got any suggestions about how she might get on? Oh, it's really hard. It's tough. I mean, I, I wouldn't like to be entering the business now because of all the self-tapes. I mean, I'm sure... I mean, I do self-tapes. I never get them. Because, I'm so, because the thing is, I think you win a, a, a job because of your personality mm. and also because someone can direct you. Yeah. Self-tape, I'm completely useless at directing myself. So my idea of how my, a part should be played is never... I, I'm, you know, malleable. I, I like people say, I should do it that way. Why mm-hmm. don't you try this? Why don't you try that? And that really helps me. But with me, I get a script and I'm never sure about how it should be played. So I think it's really difficult for the kids these days. But all I can say is that if it really is your passion, then you will make it work. And I always think working backstage in a theatre is a great way to get in. Right. Yeah. You know, th- that's what I would say. I would say yeah. get backstage in television or backstage in the theatre or in a movie set. Yeah. You know, not working as an extra, but uh, but definitely getting in there, doing something else, because that's how you meet directors. Mm-hmm. It's all about networking, really. Mm. It still is. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about family and particular sad circumstances to tell us a little bit about your first husband, John. Yeah. Um, he always used to call me his second wife, which actually I was, wasn't I? <laughs> um, I w- was his second wife and not the last. Uh, as he always used to say, you know, behave yourself because you will <laughs> you will be replaced. You can be replaced. And, yeah. and I was. Uh, but uh, we, we stayed great friends. He was a, an amazing man. And I'm very honoured to have been married to him. Mm. And he always stayed my friend. And that, that's really nice. He gave me a lot of confidence. And we had a lot of fun together. We mm. had a, he taught me how to drive. He, you know, so many things in my life are connected to him. So I'm, I'm very sad at his passing, but I know we'll meet again. And also he has such a, I mean, people see him as, you know, boisty, but he was not yeah. like that. He was very well spoken, very well educated. And just, he was just a gorgeous, hilarious man. Absolutely lovely. When I first met him, I was doing a voiceover with him. 
and he sat, and he was wearing cravat. And I remember thinking, a cravat and corduroy trousers. And he sat down beside me. Nothing wrong with that. Yes, and say. he said, fancy being dirty with an actor. Oh, and it made me laugh. And yes. he said to me afterwards, if it hadn't have made you laugh and you'd have been offended, I would have thought, well, I don't want to go out with her. No. But it made me laugh. Oh, uh, and we laughed, you know, for a long time. And, you know, our marriage didn't work, but. Our friendship did. did. And yeah. that was the most Which important Which is lovely thing. in itself, yeah. isn't it? But yeah. interesting because you were saying how different he was from the character that he Completely played. Completely different to Boise. And I remember when the scripts came through, because he played a character very similar to that in, in Citizen Smith many years before. Not many people know this, you see. And Johnny Sullivan offered to write him a series. And the series was called The Climber, which Robin Nedwell did, and John didn't get it. And he went up for it, and literally at the, it was between him and Robin Nedwell, and Robin Nedwell got the part. And John was at the BBC and he said, you know, I didn't, I didn't get the series. And by the time it took him from getting home from the BBC to our house in Twickenham, I had gone to the bank, got a £5,000 overdraft and was sitting on the doorstep with two suitcases. And we flew to L.A. that night to see the Beach Boys. Oh, wow. wow. And he said, what a great way not to get apart. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and that's what. You know, the relationship was, it was it was fabulous. And he loved the Beach Boys. He always loved the Beach Boys. And we had the time of our lives in in the States. And we also went to Disneyland. He'd never been to Disneyland before, and neither had I. And to see a 40-year-old man sitting there crying as he went round, it's a small world. Because, he, you know, because we were both only children. So I think we, we lived our childhood together, really. Oh, that's lovely. Which is really sweet. Yeah. Which leads us beautifully into the track that you've chosen. Oh, I like a segue. You do like a segue, I can tell. <laughs> Uh, because it's boy by the Beach Boys, and the track is called Disney Girls, of course. That song, I mean, you know, there it was. We were in LA watching the Beach Boys and we went to Disney and Disney Girls. And that is my tribute to Chalice. Fly high, my darling. I hope he's okay. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so you were with John, it was the early 80s, wasn't it? So yeah. on, tears in her eyes. Yeah. Um, and then I think you remarried, what was it, the late 80s? Yeah, well, I, um, David and I, I got together sort of in uh, 86. And um, David Jansen, yep. another actor, and uh, obviously a glutton for punishment. <laughs> and uh, we met, we were doing these, uh, how to teach uh, foreign students to speak English. Uh, and we were doing these, they wanted to do it as a sitcom. So David was, you know, he'd done loads of sitcoms and so did I. So I suppose we were the ideal candidate. I have a really funny story to tell you. So for years, we were the face. We did about five series of these things which were shown uh, all over the world by Oxford University Press. They, they made them. And they did it, as I said, as a sitcom. And we were known as Kevin and Sharon. And they wanted us to talk in slightly region, regional London accents. Right. Because when people came to England, because beforehand they had you know, English 
speaking people, uh, teaching people to speak English was always like that. The BBC way. Of the, the BBC way. <laughs> and of course, they'd arrive at, at Heathrow Airport and people would go, hello, mate, how are you doing? And they wouldn't be able to understand a word they were saying. Got it. So they wanted, um, Oxford University decided in their infinite wisdom that they wanted people to speak like that. So, you know, me and Dave were, were like that. So anyway, we never thought about it. We knew that these uh, tapes were, were being shown, you know, all over the place, teaching people to speak English. And we were in Disneyland, strangely enough, um, with, I think it was Kira, she was probably about three. And all of a sudden, we were mobbed by loads of Japanese tourists. Oh, and we goodness. thought, oh my God, what is happening here? And they were going, Kevin, Sharon, <laughs> Kevin, Sharon. And they recognized us from these videos. Wow. But then, an even weirder story happened. So many, many years later, David and I were walking, going down Sandy Lane in Cobham, and we saw these two horses. And they, they obviously had no riders on them. They, you know, they had saddles, but no riders. And we thought, oh, my gosh, it's been a terrible accident. Stopped the car, ran into the woods and found this woman, you know, looking after this other woman who was lying on her back. She'd obviously oh, fallen no. off the horse. And she said, I've got to go and call an ambulance. So we said, OK, you know, whatever. She went to call the ambulance. And David and I are sitting there with this other woman. She says, stay with my sister. And this woman opens her eyes and we said, do you know? who you are and she said no but i know who you are you are kevin and sharon have i died and we went what because it was so far away from what we were thinking we went okay she said david said what do you do she said, i'm a teacher i teach foreign students to speak english so there she was knocked herself out and the first people she sees are us how bizarre was that <laughs> So you're saying you've got the, the two daughters. Yes. So let's give them a name check again. You've it's got Kira Jansen, and an Kira actress as, who does loads and loads of voiceovers, who is in Hollyoaks, does loads of you know TV stuff and everything else. And my youngest daughter, Talia, who's a singer. And how old is Talia now? Talia is 27. 27. Uh, so she's a singer-songwriter? She's not a songwriter. No? She's a singist. Okay. She should be a songwriter, but she isn't. Okay. She just sings other people's songs. At Which the moment, is fine. but she might. And where does she play? Where would you find Talia? All over the place, really. Yeah. <laughs> Doing gigs and, you know, online. She's getting some more stuff together. She's kind of had a hiatus for a few years. She toured with JLS as a support artist. Okay. Uh, she so recorded with Timberland in America. So she's had, uh, but I think the last couple of years, as it's happened with a lot of people, I mean, she was sort of growing up thinking, is this what I really want to do? But now she's gone back. Well, I mean, through COVID, for artists, music artists yeah. in particular, I mean, it's just been ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, when you've even got to Mr. Senek saying, give up that career, try something different. Oh, yeah. try me. How, like how disgusting. Security expert. Yeah, how disgusting. You know, you know, that's the way it goes. Should we play a track? Yes. Tell you? This is a track from a while ago, you're saying? Yeah, a few years ago. And it's called Diamond Girl. Lyrics are good. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Tanya Jansen and a track called Diamond Girl on Brooklyn's radio. Uh, we're joined by Debbie Arnold this afternoon. Debbie, we've talked a lot about your acting career, but you do so much else as well. So you're a successful author. Yes. How did uh, all that come about? Well, I mean, the power of reinvention. I, I read so much. Oh, my goodness me. I read and read and read and read and read and read and read. Um, so I thought I'd write something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just called The Power of Reinvention. And you can get it on Amazon, a little plug to myself. But it's just about, I suppose, reinventing your life, which I do all the time, you know, from 
from acting to, you know, at the moment, I mean, producing Wonder Birds and Beauty Angels with Linda and all, all so many, I do so many different things. And I think that's the whole part of your life, you know, is, is, is about reinventing, yeah. isn't it? I think it's about people feeling a little bit more, having the confidence to do it, because it's quite a scary thing for us others that might not be naturally doing this in their day job so to speak well i don't know i i, I think because i'm a butterfly sort of character yeah. i just think oh let's just do it, let's give it a i go. mean i'm going to just go and sort of jump right ahead to sorry right. singleton so about a few months ago just before lockdown ended again it's yeah. always either before lockdown starts yes. or ends, or ends. Yes. i suddenly and i suddenly thought i just want to meet some people i need yeah. people i need to see people and i wrote something on next door and i put I'm so sick of not seeing people. Wouldn't it be nice if a load of us could get together and meet? You know, and I said, you know, I don't want, I hate the thought of online dating. Yeah. Because you don't know who anybody is. But wouldn't it be nice if a few of us met for a drink? And I got 500 replies. Oh, my goodness. It's hardly surprising, <laughs> Debbie. Five, 500. Don't mind who you are. Well, I didn't really sort of say I'm Debbie Arnold actor. Just, you know, me in sort of as next door. So next door contacted me and said, please, please put this into a group. Otherwise, you're going to crash the website. So it's all people. Let's go back. It's all people within this area. Yeah, all people within this area. So what I did was on the 22nd of July. So yeah. they, they, I started. So I started a group then on next door called Surrey Singletons. Right. And we had 500 people that joined overnight, literally. And then I, they said, what are you going to do? And I thought, oh, I've, I'm lumbered now. I've got, yeah, to, I've do got to do something. It's a rave. You've got 500 people to look after. <laughs> so uh, I arranged to do something at the Medicine Garden in, uh, in Cobham. Which is lovely. lovely. Uh, nice, which yeah. belongs to a friend of mine that wasn't yeah. open. So she gave us the space. And I got local sponsorship. And 200 people turned up. That's fantastic. And we, we had sort of, uh, you know, every we had uh, singers. We had uh, Linda Lusardi's daughter. We had Talia singing as well. Oh, we had uh, a DJ. And it started at 6.30 and ended up at midnight. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So then everyone said, when are you going to do another one? <laughs> So I did another one, and I did one at the Pounding Heart in Isha okay. uh, about three weeks ago, and again, we had 150 people turned up, and it's not like a dating, it's just single people yeah. going out like we used to go yes. out. All different generations yeah. in age? Well, I suppose probably 40 upwards, okay. but everyone can dance, it's not, a, it's not like a dating thing where yeah. people feel embarrassed, yeah. everyone has a really good time, and we're going to have another one on the 28th, so if you want and to... And what's happening on the 28th then? Tell I us. don't know, as right, usual it says TBA, but there will be something, <laughs> and again it'll be singers, it'll be a magician, we had the lovely, um, uh, oh my god, James Phelan, who is uh, Debbie McGee's nephew oh, yeah. he did a lot of uh, magic tricks and then we had um talia singing and then we had linda lusardi's son <laughs> always linda lusardi's children i drag with me um <laughs> and we had a dj again and people again just love it so it will be the same gang but it's not it's an evening out it's an evening of entertainment and you can find us either facebook's uh, group is surrey singletons or you can find us on next door well i think you'll find a lot of people going online now to, i uh, hope so to have you heard of any there. stories though of romantic entwines coming from it well i think that happens but people don't want to sort of say anything they don't just uh, just in case do you know what i mean yeah. it, it puts pressure Still on but it's actually days. more just about going out having a good time as a group of friends. Oh, yeah and dancing yeah where yes. can we go dancing no, you no, know, know dancing yeah. dressing up meeting new people yeah. having a laugh absolutely having a drink absolutely having fun so yeah. tell us again then where is it how do people get hold either of it? on next door which next is sorry singletons yeah uh and they can only join if they're in a certain area okay. or the Facebook group Surrey Singletons right and the, perfect and the next event is on the 28th of October October so perfect. that's coming they, around quite quickly yes it is always so okay after you this still have another drink I'm yeah. going to go do something <laughs> i hold of Linda Lasardi again and, uh, so you're a good friend with Linda yes we're great friends and, and how did you guys meet 
I don't remember. Long time ago. But if you see my daughter, my eldest daughter looks just like her, so I always say she's the mother of my child. <laughs> There's a story there as well. Isn't <laughs> there it? is a Which story. <laughs> so uh, yes, they got swapped at birth. But yeah, she's she's wonderful, and we we decided to do beauty on on um, Wonderbirds. Yeah. We Linda came on and did Linda's bargain bucket, and uh, we had all, we talked about beauty all the time. So Linda and I said, why don't we do a show together? Mm. So we called Beauty Angels, and uh, again you can see it on YouTube. And we've only done six shows, and we've had five hundred thousand views wow. so far, and it's great fun. But we've had so many treatments, our hair, our faces are nearly falling. <laughs> I think your face looks amazing. So <laughs> I was going to say, do you have like any sort of daily rituals that you do just to keep yourself well or anything Not like really. that? No? I, I, think, I think a lot of it, you know, is walking dogs. Yeah. And a lot of it is wine. Yes. Good. Champagne. Red, white, sparkle. Yeah. All of the above. Champagne. Yeah. I, I don't that. believe. I, Sounds like my type. I was a girl out of my own heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without doubt. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know. Everything in moderation, yeah. but I think not eating and not drinking and just doing all these things. You've got you know, to live, Life is you? too short. Absolutely yeah. right. I quite agree with you. Uh, now, as well as doing all your amazing acting work, being an author, you do an awful lot for charity and you're an ambassador for the National Bullying Helpline. Yes, I am. I'm, that's an amazing charity. It really is. And if any of you have any problems with any sort of bullying, not just this is not about children necessarily. No. It's about being adults as well in the workplace. Please just look online to the National Bullying Helpline. They are absolutely brilliant. And I, I'm so proud to be their ambassador. And, and you do amazing work for them. I was looking at one of your BBC interviews that you had done, and you were talking about the impact on, of social media on children yeah. and your views on that. Tell us about that. Well, the thing is, I mean, I think it's these days the kids are so involved in social media. Sure. That, that, that their whole lives, and they're bullied, and their whole lives are about you know, what they're perceived to be. And I think what you're, and I think it happens with all of us. I think we're, we are now so involved in a, in a different sort of life. We have the people that we are and the people that people perceive us to be. And I think that's really difficult. And I think the kids have grown up with this. And I think they, they you know, I think being bullied online because people are allowed to hide behind a computer and you can't find out who they were. Beforehand, if somebody was nasty to you, they were nasty to your face and you knew who they were. Sure. Now you don't. No, very true, very true. So government need to put greater levels oh, of regulation absolutely. in place rather than the Googles and the Facebook, or, or is it a joint? I think everybody has to, you know, take responsibility. It's all of our children that are involved, sure. everybody's kids, people in government, people in Google. They, they, everyone's going through this, so why can't they make more of an effort? I mean, generally, the, the, the legislation over you know, the internet businesses is nothing like, for instance, what you'd see against the television companies or the radio stations. No. You know, we are governed by Ofcom. You have to be very careful about what you do and say. Anything you can do on social media doesn't seem to have, you know, you've got a lot more freedom and a lot more danger. And also, four billion people are online at, at one time. I For mean, sure. Most well, of them are following you. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish, darling. I wish they were. Um, but thank you so much for coming in today. Oh, Debbie, it's, oh, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and talk to you. Oh, and it's been lovely. Oh, can I come back? Yeah, of course you can come back. <laughs> Another few hours. you can come back. No, we'd love you to come back. It's been really great talking to you today. Um, anything in the pipeline for you that's coming up at the moment? Well, we've got um, Beauty Angels, as you know. Sure. And Wonder Birds, which is on all the time. So you can see me four times a week, if you really like, on Wonder Birds, which is on YouTube and on Facebook. So it's, uh, the, it's a Wonder Birds show on uh, YouTube. Yeah. It's not called The Amazing, it's Wonderbird Show. It's Wonderbird. And The, Be the Beauty Angels, yeah. which is on uh, on YouTube. And also you can see us on Instagram and we're all over the place. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, uh, my son-in-law, 
See, there is another We haven't generation. mentioned your son-in-law yet, have we? No, we should we have haven't. done that. My apologies. Yes. Go ahead. So, Mons, uh, my son-in-law, Mons uh, Zemelov, that's how it's pronounced, uh, father, grandfather, no, father, not grandfather, father to my grandchildren. Um, so he's, I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant artist, not very well known in this country. Well, I suppose he is well known uh, for all you Eurovision fans. Wow, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. So I'm going to try and get him along here. Oh, that would be you. fabulous. Very yeah, interesting that would be fantastic. And we should actually say uh, hello to somebody that we know is listening because he introduced us. Martin and Carol. Oh, Martin. Yes. Hello, Mark. Hello, hello Martin. Carol. So thank you, Martin. <laughs> I have pleasure. been Martin Spaven and I met 14,875 years ago. <laughs> and you're still in love. And we are still well. And I love Carol just as much, which oh. is very worrying. But um, yes, she gorgeous. I mean, we've kind of been through a lot together. He was there, you know, at the birth. Actually, she, he took the first pictures of Kira being born. And I, I saw some pictures of me the other day. I found it as a, at a baby shower. And Martin took those. I mean, and he took the pictures of Surrey Singletons last week. So oh, he's all awesome. these years later. He's everywhere that yeah. time. Yeah. He, he gets around, he, doesn't he? He does get around. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one more very difficult question for you. Just come in from a lady called uh, Lindsay Grenham from Ash High. Lindsay, a question for Debbie. Of all the parts you've played, which has given you the most pride? Oh, the Sleeping Prince opposite Omar Shuri. Mm. There we are. What yeah. a way to end. Yeah. Uh, Debbie, quick ripple for Debbie. Yay! Thank you so Woo-hoo! much for coming in with Beanie, of course. Yes. We've got Beanie as well. And we would love to see you back again if you can join us. So you're going to play Mons? Uh, I haven't got Mons. I will play it before four o'clock, I promise, but <laughs> not lined up at the moment. <laughs> Definitely I got him. I got him. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> As we say goodbye to Debbie, a lovely time talking to you. It's been brilliant. Debbie, Thank thanks you. for coming Cheers. in. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Bye. Brooklyn's Radio. Loving arts and entertainment.